You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey people, how are you doing? Welcome. It's Tuesday. We're live. It's eight o'clock again. So this is the Sports Therapy Association podcast or video cast because it goes out live on YouTube. Um, so if you do want to join us live, if you listen to the podcast, and you want to join us live, then all you need to do is go to the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel. And that's where we will be um, every Tuesday at eight o'clock. And that's what we've done for the last 106 episodes or 106 weeks, more or less. Um, and and yeah, you're welcome to join us live. If you are listening to the podcast, then do us a favor if you could just leave a rating. Um, leave a little review as long as they're both like five stars and good then that would be lovely because it really helps the wonderful messages from our speakers and guests and um, just reach a larger audience so do please do that it takes like 30 seconds if you use an iphone um, if you haven't sold your soul to the devil and you use android then it takes a little bit longer but that's the price of being having a good soul so um, i think you have to go to itunes still or something but yeah do please do leave the rating and review it's really important so where are we um we are at our final episode for june um where the focus has been on business um and thank you first of all for the messages the emails never feel silly about writing an email the number of emails i get we say oh i feel a bit silly writing this but it's been really useful listening to last week's episode nothing silly about that at all um as with everybody i think or most people in the world imposter syndrome runs rife in me so it's always nice to hear that actually something's been useful and someone's enjoyed listening to it especially as the live listeners are a little bit less the last few months we might talk about that maybe it's a sign of the times as gary says um gary benson's in the house here says um lots of members saying they're working at capacity and feeling the strain so maybe giving up an hour of your monday night is not a best way of chilling out is it you just want to disconnect so i understand that it's fine um that's okay but i still like recording it live because i think we just get something a little bit more dynamic Um, and it's lovely if you do manage to come along and join us live you can network and talk to regional reps and that sort of stuff so anyway we're doing a focus on business let me just bring up um who we've had this month so far let's sort this around a little bit so that i'm made small and the person's made big there we go right so just a little recap on what we've had so far um in case you're listening and you didn't catch up with the last three episodes so um we started off the month of june with our focus on business with tim allardyce was here on how to build a successful clinic and tim went through the five mistakes that therapists soft tissue therapists typically make when trying to make their clinic successful great episode great opener if you know don't know um, Tim Allardyce and a wonderful human being, um, really experienced therapist. Um, he's an NHS England clinical entrepreneur. And also you may know him as the founder of Rehab My Patient. So the stuff which Tim comes out with um, is wonderful and presented in such a nice, as always, um, kind of accessible way. Um, loads of little clinic gems, little pearls of wisdom, which um, a lot of people who join this life are going, I need to do that. I'm not doing that. So give that a listen if you want to. If you want to listen to it, um, you can go to YouTube to watch the video or just go to your podcast app. It will be there. Just look up the Sports Therapy Association podcast. We then moved week two into how to optimize client experience. And that was with the wonderful Gemma Oliver. Um, creator of the physio and therapist support group on Facebook <clears throat> and also Andy Hosgood who's the founder of Elevate Your Clinic. Uh, both have been on the show before and they gave us again some wonderful information about how to ensure that your client is getting as good an experience as you might think they are but maybe they're not all the way from marketing through to when they've left the clinic and you're doing your follow-up or are you doing your follow-up so now that again really good episode and thank you for everybody who took the time to email me um matt at the sta.co.uk about um giving me some great feedback last week we had social media marketing for business so focusing particularly on a topic which a lot of you have asked to hear about uh, we had the wonderful jilly woodhouse um in the house that sounds terrible i have to edit that out um but yeah she was here um jilly is a mentor and business development strategist and again just years of experience of helping businesses um she is primarily well known in the osteopathic community um but the the gems that come out um as she said can work with any soft tissue therapist um she does online courses and there's details on the show notes for last week of uh, how to get her 90 day um 
protect your business against the recession, which we talked about a little bit as well. Not to put a down or anything, but both Tim Allardyce and Jilly Woodhouse are kind of suggesting, like a few other people, that things are going to get tight. Um, we've seen the petrol going crazy. I don't want to get everyone depressed now, but it's being prepared, isn't it? We might even talk about that tonight as well. Um, talking of which... Um, or like I say before, if you want to listen to it, you can go to this, the uh, YouTube. It's all there. I recommend watching the videos because great looking guests we have on the show. So you may as well. Um, it's lovely to see the show live, but you can listen to your podcast. And if you want to find a link, then go to the sta.co.uk and you'll see those links at the top of the page. When you click on the podcast uh, section, you'll see there's a Spotify link, an Apple podcast link, a Google podcast link, a pocket cast link. So something there for everybody. OK, right. We continue the final part of our focus on business for June, and we are welcoming back James Chapman, who I can't believe it. It was been it was January 2021, I think, so a year and four or five months ago since I last spoke to him, which is just I don't know whether I've been having fun or just time's flying, but it seems way, way, a uh, very, very long time. And um, James was here in episode going back now, 35, was it in my crib sheet? Yeah, 35, long time ago. Um, and was talking about mental health at first aid um, and it was focusing on the course that um, he teaches and um, we had some great feedback from that um, and at, also on the show tonight we've got somebody one of the STA members and regional reps um, Emma Wardle is joining us um, who you might remember from uh, episode 75 which was November last year where we had an amazing safety and practice um, focusing particularly on female sports massage therapists which um, Emma was part of and I recommend you check that out as well uh, that was episode 75. Amazing episode um, for everybody to have a wake up call about what it can be like being a female therapist. And also it's not just female therapists, um, therapists of whatever gender uh, put themselves um, in danger all the time. And it's how to note it, avoid it, what to do if it happens, communication, all those sort of things. So it was a great episode. Um, so, yeah, they're both here. We're going to be talking about mental health for business. Um, looking after yourself, which is obviously a massive topic. And like Gary Benson says here, let's just bring up Gary's um, message here. Gary Benson, founder of the SDA, says um, he's talking about already feeling stresses of the cost of living increases and the uncertainty of clients booking in. It is stressful times, as Gary says. So this is hopefully going to help a lot of you um, look out for um, signs of mental health problems um, how to deal with if it happens, where to go, and all these sort of questions. And I'm really looking forward to bringing our uh, special guest, James Chapman, up, which is what we're going to do now. So let me hide this. Let me get this off the screen, and we'll bring up our guests. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. James, how are you doing? Hello. Hi, Matt. How are you? How should I split this up? Should we go for Charlie's Angels look? I'm not sure about that. I'm going to have to move me. I think we'll do that. That's nice. How are you doing? Emma, are you okay? Hello. Jimmy, how are you doing? Hi, um, yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it um, because you did James's course, didn't you? How long ago was that? I did, yeah. So I took his course, I think it was March 21 to last year. There we go. Does it feel like that long ago or is it just me who's wondering where the months have gone? It does feel quite a long time ago, to be honest. <laughs> oh, it's just <laughs> me then. Refresh scene, I think. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, and James, yeah, it's been a year and a half since you've chatted. Um, it is crazy how time's flying by. Maybe it is the pace of life and we've just got so much going on. I don't know whether it's part of getting older, whatever it is. But um, like Gary says, have you noticed, obviously, you work a lot with therapists. You work with a lot of people um, regarding mental health issues. Is it just a thing that each generation says or every decade people say, or are things actually getting more difficult and tricky for us now and triggering mental health issues? Yeah, things are, are definitely getting worse. And I get asked this question a lot, you know, is it is it the fact that people are talking about it more, which is why poor mental health is on the increase? Um, and definitely there are more conversations around it, which is great. Um, but, you know, the statistics on suicides don't lie you know um suicide in particular for young women women under 25 since 2012 has gone up by 93.8 percent um so a huge amount um self-harm 
eating disorders through the pandemic, you know, has had a, a massive, uh, massive impact, you know, in, in, our, in our lifetimes. Before the pandemic, one in four people uh, will suffer from poor mental health, um, uh, have a diagnosable mental health condition in any one year. And during the pandemic, that rose to almost 50%. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's a big problem. And I've been really busy the last year um, because of it. How do you, I mean, I've got so many questions here and thank you for everyone who emailed questions in um, and, and, em, and Emma as well. Obviously, you may well have questions as you're catching up with James now and I'll have questions for you. But I'm interested straight away with somebody working with people who are distressed and suffering from mental health issues and problems. How do you manage to keep yourself animated and not bring it all home, James, and kind of bring you down? Um, I think it's, it's, it can be difficult you know, because I, I'm definitely a, a sensitive person, you know, I'm someone that really, I think I can definitely empathise with people and, um, you know, one of the things with that, which is what we teach on the course, um, which is what I learned years ago when I studied psychotherapy, is non-judgmental listening, so how you can actually have, uh, you can communicate with someone, uh, but still keep uh, really safe boundaries um, you know so a good example of that is normal chit chat um, someone says something to you uh, that's uncomfortable or painful for them um, you know as a, as a caring nice person you want to say something back to make them feel better um, you might give them some advice and you're going to get emotionally involved in that whereas with non-judgmental listening so someone's on your couch they're telling you about something uh, traumatic for them something personal something uncomfortable and then you're able just to listen to them let them have their truth um you know stay with them um but actually still keep those boundaries you know so there's a there's a degree of separation um you know but it but it is difficult i mean i do things like i finish work i have my work clothes i have and as soon as i get home uh, I will change, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's more to just uh, having conversations. I think it's, you know, you have to uh, do as much as you can really to um, to separate, you know, because it's so easy to take your, your work home with you, mental health. And also uh, when I'm doing therapies, you know, it's like, you know, when you, you're doing therapies, you, you know, you're giving your all to that person. Uh, for that time that they're with you and then actually looking at your previous podcasts um, it kind of brought to mind the vast amount of work that we do as therapists to you know to um, what was it a uh, client satisfaction optimizing client experience you know um, social media and marketing you know other things that take up vast amounts of time so it's really hard to separate and, and switch off very interesting i love it's it's so interesting hearing you say like change your clothes and, and there's probably loads of little tips which which i imagine are given on your course about how to look after yourself and it's finding what works for you because it must be such an individual thing i mean i'm really interested whether soft tissue th- whether, whether i don't know whether we can generalize about what professions are more stressful obviously some obviously are more stressful when you're dealing with life and death but I get the impression, I'm going to direct it towards you, Emma, if I may, that most soft tissue therapists are pretty sensitive people anyway. Because if you want, I've always said this, if you want to lay your hands on somebody and rub them with oil for a living and get that close to somebody, then the chances are that you've got a lot of, you can empathize a lot and you want to do that. You want to make people's health better. So, Emma, do you think that soft tissue therapists are prone maybe to taking on too much on board and, and getting too sensitive and maybe running into mental health issues? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I've always been, I've definitely always been a sort of an empath. So I love working with people. And even before I started my role as a sports therapist, um, I worked in care. So I, again, worked kind of in people's homes, looked after elderly, looked after, um, again, people with MS, things like that. And I found that really hard physically and mentally. Um, But most of my jobs have been very people focused. And that's because, you know, I like people, but I do tend to find that, yeah, you probably do take on a little bit 
too much and maybe that's just down to kind of personality um I've got you know 10 almost 10 years clinical and sporting experience and you you know you go through all kinds of things obviously there's different stresses in sport where it's a little bit more acute and you you deal with a lot of things that if you haven't dealt with that before can be you know quite shocking and I think that that's kind of hard to maybe go away and debrief that's quite important and then in the clinic yeah I I think definitely over the last couple of years um I've seen a lot of people who've just come to me you know they have come to me you know for maybe an injury or an issue but a lot of my clients have struggled with COVID and their mental health and maybe just getting out and seeing someone um you know sometimes it's just you know they come to me I think to just talk for an hour more than anything else and you know they'll bring up you know things that have been stressful for them and maybe they're not working or you know they've got issues family with you know people being made redundant all that kind of stuff so I think definitely over the last two years I've kind of had a lot of clients that it's been you know beneficial to have the experience on the course to be able to talk with them give them some guidance give them some advice um, and also taking away stuff for myself as well I remember I don't know whether you had this, but in, in therapy, I learned with a guy from Brighton, shout out to Michael Gibbons, actually, um, in Brighton, who quite a few people train with, been in the game for ages. But I remember he was in still is, never fails to go to Glastonbury, total hippie, loves his music and is just always there. But he, I mean, he used to take us for like sessions in wigwams in kind of the park in Brighton. It was just beautiful. But he was always saying, after your treatment, make sure you've, wash your forearms down with water, shake it out, just give yourself five, 10 minutes just to relax and recenter yourself. Because when you are relaxing someone else and kind of get rid of their energy and whatever you want to call it, it's going to drain you as well. It's like when you're laying hands on someone, if you make them feel more relaxed, chances are it's going to, you're going to build up sign of stress inside of you, whether it's physical or mental. And I always took that away from them. And I caused bosses who made me have back-to-back sessions later on in my career hell. Cause I was saying, no, no, no way. I'm not finishing with someone and they're going straight to, Oh, Mr. Jones, thanks for joining us. Come in here. No way. I need my five minutes just to sit down and clinic, just relax myself mentally, chill out, change the song. And then, and I've always done that. And, and as soon as, you know, I think that's a really important thing to do. Um, but I don't know whether in this day and age, when people are chasing money and trying to squeeze things in and pay the mortgage or pay the rent, sometimes these little things which can make your day much more, less stressful, actually disappear. And we start just filling it up and emptying the tank, as it were. COVID obviously has placed a lot of pressure on people, therapists, Um and also just the general state of the world today. I mean, James, you speak to a lot of people. Do you see that stress, environmental stress around people can also create stress in that person? Even if your life isn't too bad, all the stuff and manic stuff that's going on around us at the moment, can that have an effect on people as well? Yeah, definitely. I think um, world events um, had a huge impact, you know, the pandemic, um, Ukraine, cost of living crisis, um, and just the general kind of, it's quite a polarisation, I think, in, in politics. And, you know, it's, it's quite, you know, going social media, people can be really quite cruel. And um, I think it's, it's really difficult times that we're living in. So... I agree. Yeah, it's all very polarised. And we talked about social media last week and saying, yeah, you've got to get on it, you've got to do this. But I think we'll probably talk later on. Oh, we can talk about it now, social media. I mean, it's a massive topic. There's so much we could talk about. But I personally think that, that let's pick on Instagram. Instagram creates this fake world, which I imagine can can cause so much torment for so many people who are chasing these dreams, thinking everyone else has got it like this. And it's notoriously false and fake. Yeah. But is that is that a factor as well? Either of you, do you find that social media can make life for therapists professionally more tricky because they're seeing all this fake life elsewhere? Either of you, jump in. Yeah, I, I mean, I, if I find social media. I try and be quite active on it. I've I've got LinkedIn, I've got um, Facebook, and I've got Instagram and Twitter. So I have that for business. 
Yeah, and I do find that, I mean, it's great if I have the time to, you know, schedule posts, get posts out, do things like that. But obviously, when if you're busy, you kind of fall behind with that. And I think sometimes it's, I follow a lot of other uh, clinicians, therapists, you know, all sorts of physios, things like that. And I find that you, you can get a bit bogged down with sort of if there's they're posting more and what should you be posting and what kind of is attracting people. And I think it's the whole thing of, you know, are you as busy as someone else in clinic? Are you not having as many clients? I think there's a lot of kind of that and seeing, you know, if you see that someone's you know put on their diary and it looks like it's full. I think there's a lot of things that if social media wasn't there, I think would help a lot. I mean, we use it, you know, now in a in a positive way as well. But I think there are, you know, a lot of people get quite hung up on it. And this is from me talking to other other therapists and other people I'm involved with as well. And I think they, you know, we have conversations about, you know, are we posting enough? What things should we be posting? How do we engage people? It's just I think it's an extra an extra stress on, mm. you know, what you're you're, you're already business and everything else you have to do if you're running it by yourself um but I think yeah also can be really good for I'm in lots of community groups so locally to me so I post in there once a month or you know every Monday I think they allow for free you know it's free business advertising and I've had you know a lot of people that have been in the right place at the right time and they've just been looking before you know either sports massage either an injury assessment a physio um and they're kind of like oh we just popped up and it was you know suited me so i think there are there are definitely pros and cons um but i think kind of getting some time away from it is important as well you sound quite organized so you mentioned like automating stuff sometimes and just having particular times of the week and that sounds really balanced but obviously yeah. it's when the balance goes doesn't it James how many times do you yeah. say to people just stick put your phone away mate it's just you, you, you're killing yourself stop the social <laughs> media it must I imagine it must be quite yeah, common yeah, as a driver yeah all the time I mean it's, you know um as Emma said social media can be a, a double-edged thing there can be some really good protective factors there you know the community aspect and stuff like this you know can be actually really really good but then there's also that um negative that kind of self-image um thing there was a there was a recent report i think it was 2020 by the uk anti-doping agency i don't know whether you saw it um and they said like up to one million people are using um um, ipads so image and performance enhancing drugs so steroids and stuff one million people like in the uk and uh you know i've 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 had experience that i didn't i didn't know um how much i used to work in a gym up in uh kingsbury it's gone now so i can mention it and i i had a problem with one of the pts there and he's just i got on well with him he started acting really strangely before towards me and really aggressive and then this other pt was like oh he's on steroids and uh, and then uh, and she was like, oh, you know, so and so, and then this one, and then this one, and this one. I was like, really? <laughs> you know. And so there's a lot of you know body image issues that are going on. You know, and in, in my local gym, um, you know, you kind of like I don't know. I mean, you can't, you can't really guess, I suppose. But you know, you know, with that, a million up to a million people using these things and all the side effects that come from that and uh, and this was one of the stat I gave about suicide in, in young women uh, and the reason for that increase uh, is because of social media you know it's all with that image pressure and uh, whole love island type um, you know, fantasies of how we should look and how we should act and what things we should have and what clothes we should wear and it's a uh, you know it's a it's a false reality it's a false reality and, and people are on it all the time you know and um you know um the problem with that is people aren't getting uh, good rest they're not getting proper sleep um you know they're getting really stressed and um and this has a huge impact on on people's lives so um as a as a therapist um i work a lot with really high-end um drug rehabs and 
one of my jobs, my main job there is to really help people to relax, to sleep better. So that the, the living psychotherapists, the psychiatrists, um, the, the nurses that are there, it makes their jobs much better because the people are more relaxed. And this is people really high net worth, royalty, that kind of people that are, you know, super mobile in that they can live wherever they want and, and stuff like that, do whatever they want. Um, but then they've got themselves in a mess because they don't know how to relax. You know, so one of the things that I'm there for, and probably the main thing, is to help them to relax, um, get them to sleep better, so that all the other talking therapies uh, will help. You know, so um, yeah, it's again, it's tricky to generalise, but I want to try and ask both of you whether some recommendations on, or maybe some pit, potential pitfalls specifically for soft tissue therapists we're talking about people who for a living lay their hands on other people and these days it's not just laying hands in theory if you're kind of following the evidence a little bit then depending what your remit is you're probably talking and listening as well which provides stresses as well um, and maybe prescribing some exercise and all sorts of stuff but do you think there's some things that soft tissue therapists should look out for to avoid running into problems with mental health, even though it's such an individual thing, but are there some red flags that maybe, or some, some advice either of you could give um, to make sure soft tissue therapists don't go down that rabbit hole and end up with bigger problems? Um, For me, I mean, it's it's really difficult because you know as a as a therapist obviously you you know you're worried about clients you want to give your clients the best experience and and try and fix them as much as you can in a short space of time um so it it's really uh it's really difficult and i i used to find that you know you you greet someone you're watching them walk into the room um you do your um verbal assessment and take some notes and then you do a, a physical assessment and then you get them on the couch and then you do whatever you're going to do and then you do your post-treatment assessment and then write your notes uh, and then where I uh, was in clinic regularly it would be one client and then another client you know so you're really rushing to do that and I would do that for five hours straight you know three times a week often in the evening start at five uh, or four finish at nine so no meal until like half past nine, ten o'clock at night. Um, and it's very, and then go home, you might be completing some notes. Uh, you might be trying to do a bit of social media in as well, uh, eating late, um, family commitments and stuff like that. And it's very easy to, to burn yourself out. And I used to do um, every 20 treatments that I gave, I would get a treatment myself whether i felt i needed it or not and that i was really clear on that for many years now it's very difficult to do that you know self-care is really hard um it's hard to look after yourself anyway because i think even if you know and i know this is what we teach on the course and i've I've known this for, for many years is that i have to look after myself if i don't look after myself you know things can can go bad um, but in reality, it's very difficult Difficult because I've got three kids who are under 10. I've got a wife. I've got um, an expensive house that I rent that I'm trying to buy. Um, and, you know, we're living in a time when the cost of everything has just gone absolutely bananas. And, and self-care is expensive. Other therapists who I might have got a swap from uh, in the past are really busy. So trying to, to, to coordinate all of that and... Uh, and I might need to pay for therapies and I'll pay what someone pays me. Uh, but I'm like, oh, can I afford to do that? You know, it's like, oh, maybe I'll wait another week. Maybe I'll wait another week. And it's it's so easy to do that. So I think, you know, and, and again, it's like giving your all overworking, you know, coming home with sore thumbs or sore elbows or, you know, lower back pain or realising that you haven't drunk enough because you've just been 100% focused on each client, each client it's really really difficult so i think um as many self-care uh, strategies as you have and it's it's a personal thing you know what works for you you know washing definitely you know getting other people's skin off you making it a ritual changing your clothes um but i think you can kind of it's easy to see sometimes the red flags um for other people 
to see them rather than you. So in, in our course, we talk about the stress container, um, what happens when it overflows, so, you know, stress comes into our life and we have a lot of stress and often with stress, we don't, um, we don't name it. Stress can often be a badge of honor, you know? So, and especially if you're the kind of person that has, when it comes to stress, you can have the mindset of like, it's a challenge. And I'm like that. It's like, yeah, come on, bring it on. Or you can maybe have the mindset of like stress is like a can of worms. You don't want to go down there, you know. Uh, um, but, you know, it, so it's very easy to take on loads of stress and not actually realize how much you're doing. You know, and if you're working, say, with clients and uh, you're trying to finish your appointment and the client is slow to get dressed and they ask you, oh, can you just do a little bit on my you know, forearm or whatever it might be and you're giving them an extra five, ten minutes, you know, over the course of a week over the course of a month over the course of three months that's a whacking great big amount of time that you're not actually getting paid for and you're not your time your energy as well so i think it's really really easy to um to do too much and and when it comes to stress um i talk about like the stress signature which is unique to all of us and it's like what happens when we get stressed so i know when i get stressed i start swearing a lot um, I'll swear in front of my kids, which I try not to do. Um, I might start speaking to my wife in a disrespectful way. I try not to do that as well. But, you know, you can get a bit snappy and stuff like that. And, you know, my wife, I'm really lucky. She knows that if um, I start doing these things, that she'll tell me, look, hey, you know, you're not looking after yourself. You need to slow down and, and remind me about how much I have uh, been doing. Because I think it's so easy just to get caught up in life and not realize how much you're doing how much you're giving how much time you're on your feet you know how many evenings and weekends that you're working um giving your energy into as you said making other people feel better and and i'm 100 with you i don't think i think if you're working as a soft tissue therapist uh unless you're uh, really committed to what you're doing um you'll get fine you'll get found out you know it's like you won't be a good therapist you won't be an effective i think you have to be sensitive you have to be the kind of person that wants to help other people because if you don't you know your clients won't won't want to have a treatment with you and i think we've all maybe been to therapists who you know their heart isn't in it it's not it's not something that they want to do so um yeah so that's really interesting about yeah you saying that other people will recognize it that often we don't realize it because we're inside there kind of like getting stressed out and swearing and doing this and and we don't notice it um it's somebody so that's kind of seems to be one of the keys is having someone else who you will listen to and they say you know what you're acting a bit weird here you really snapped at other person what's going on and have you found that in your life that's a useful thing of where you've got someone else maybe a good friend or somebody or partner who can actually say you right you're acting a bit weird yeah, I think so. It's, it's really interesting about what James was saying because, you know, he's teaching, you know, the mental health stuff all the time. And it's interesting that he kind of says, you know, that, you know, it, it it's almost like using the analogy of, you know, we know when we're seeing clients, you know, if you give them a rehab plan, if you give them physio, they kind of know what they should be doing. It's kind of the same sort of thing, but it's having the time to actually do it and implement it in life and it was interesting that you know you kind of think someone you know maybe if you teach mental health you're you know you're, you're going to be really good at you know doing all that yourself but it still yeah. is you still have your own life stresses like you know kids you know other things and you can't always you know always find the time I personally I've changed I've changed in the 10 years I've changed quite a lot so when you first start out as a um, a therapist you tend to just work all the hours you can you can get I used to do you know at a bigger uh, a bigger club I used to you know work full-time there um, I'd work in sports on Saturdays as well I'd sometimes work you know seven days a week and you kind of want to do that to build up your client base you know build up your reputation things like that but I struggled with just doing too much at the bigger company they'd book you know 10 sessions back to back and whether that's you know hopefully not 10 sports massages but even if that's physio as well it's a lot of physical and emotional time going into that and I used to find you know I'd 
probably at the end of the day, I didn't even want to talk to anyone because I was just so emotionally like brain fried. Um, and since kind of, you know, in my journey kind of coming towards, you know, first five years, I was probably doing a lot of that. And then I kept getting quite ill all the time just because I wasn't taking enough time, having enough time off. Um, and that's kind of when I started to, you know, think about leaving working for other people um, and just, you know, do my own clinic time. And that's given me, you know, I still do work full time, but, you know, I have, it's much more flexible, you know, you can choose to, I do work two late evenings and, a, you know, sometimes a Saturday morning, but I feel like I'll only put six or seven in a day, um, you know, and kind of have gaps in between. Even before COVID came along, I would actually leave half an hour between clients anyway. So that wasn't something that I newly introduced because of cleaning with COVID. That would just be my um, my thing. And I also find that I tend to, you know, for me, kind of self-help stuff, I tend to do, you know, if I'm stressed, I'll try and, you know, take time to read a book try and go to bed early, um, you know, kind of shut my phone off. I try and have like a limit of when I will reply to clients um, and things like, you know, I, I do headspace. Um, I kind of try and put a lot of things in around kind of, you know, clinic and make sure you are taking enough time for yourself. Because again, most, some of my clients, you know, over the last few months, especially I've had, um, yeah, kind of some some difficult sort of clients that have had a lot of things going on. So it kind of comes all back to the kind of like the, you know, with clients by a psychosocial model and what's going on in their life. And I think if you take that on, you know, I've had some people, you know, with cancer. I've had some people who've, um, you know, lost. I've actually got a friend who sees me. He lost a lost her partner at thirty two. Um, had a you know cardiac arrest while he was out cycling and I remember her coming to see me and she just I literally just put my hands on her and she burst out crying so kind of dealing with all things like that you kind of I think there's definitely boundaries with clients I find that you can be empathetic and sympathetic and you know I I, I tend to talk with my clients quite a lot I think I don't have many sessions you know where we're just an hour in silence especially if it's physio um, stuff and a lot of my client, clients tend to speak a lot to me so it is kind of there's, there's definitely a boundary though I try and I'm always sticking to my time I try and you know it's kind of that boundary between being professional but kind of being personal and, and people like you for that reason so I kind of get quite a lot of reviews you know with things like you know really friendly but professional and kind of you know explaining things so yeah, I think it's it's a hard one to get right. And I think probably as you progress in a career as a sports therapist or a soft tissue therapist, I think that kind of comes with the territory a bit. I think you start out a bit kind of scrambled and maybe struggling with finding your own routine and finding enough time, you know, to run your business, see your clients, have enough time. And definitely as I've got to mark next year, I feel like I'm sort of at a level... That is, you know, I look back on when I started and I think, God, how did I ever, ever do all of that? Um, so I think it's good if you can reflect back as well. And maybe after, you know, each week with clients or each month, seeing if you can take a bit of time and see if you're kind of happy with, you know, how many clients you've seen, what you've done for yourself. Um, you know, if there's anything, I think kind of reflective practice is quite nice as well. Sometimes I think we're all so busy, we don't really actually maybe sit and take the time to think about, you know, what might be, um, you know, working for us or not working for us. That's amazing. There's so much in there which you've kind of mentioned that you do to stay, you know, on a, on a pleasant, relaxed path. How did you find out about that? Was it, were there things on James's course which was suddenly like, oh, I should be doing that? Or have you had a mentor? Or how did you arrive at what, where you are today? It sounds very organised, very impressed. <laughs> I Well, I am, I am quite an organised person. So I think personality comes into it a little bit. Um, I've, again, I've had stuff in the past where I've suffered with um, 
anxiety quite bad. And so I, for a while, I used to see a, um, a psychotherapist. I used to have sessions, talk through with them. I think, you know, they've given me some, you know, coping mechanisms, things like that, things you can be doing. But also, yeah, on James's course, I think was really great to kind of just, I liked how it was kind of really interactive as well. And obviously a lot of people on his course you know, we're all diff- we went all, you know, I think Becky and myself who are on it were sports therapists, but I think there were a lot of other professions. And it was just, it was really interesting to hear, you know, some of their stories and what, you know, what what they've maybe dealt with personally um, and what they're dealing with maybe with clients or things that they're seeing. And I just think the course kind of, it almost gives, you know, a couple of days off the clinic for one and, you know, away from clients and being able to actually focus in on, you know, helping yourself and helping others. Um, yeah, so I found, I found it really beneficial on both parts, actually. I, I know a lot of it was how to sort of implement it into your business and help, you know, your own clients. But um, I kind of found that generally the kind of, you know, just listening and being non-judgmental, things like that were kind of really key and al- almost being maybe a little bit more like that with myself, if that makes sense. I'm, I tend to be very... I think people who are self-employed probably are tend to be very hard on themselves. I think they always need to be doing more. Um, I think that's definitely a theme when I speak to, I'm in touch with other physios, other therapists. I think we find it very hard to say, okay, well, I'm happy with what I'm doing. I think there's always like a next thing probably for us. I find being self-employed, we tend to have that you know, I should be doing more, I should do this, I should do that. I kind of think we just, I myself don't, I'm very bad at stepping back and thinking, oh, well, actually, look how far I've, you know, come in 10 years and, you know, trying to just kind of settle with that a bit. But it's easier said than done, definitely. I think it's taken me quite a while and probably as I've got older, you know, I'm 31 next year and I started, you know, in my early early 20s so I think some of that does come with life experience dealing with other things um a mixture of stuff really I would say and having good friends and family around that I definitely talk to and they're kind of you know, supportive and you, you know offload and talk through things which I think is important very interesting so so James you're there nodding in agreement do you do you see this quite a lot with therapists who sign up for your course which I guess people might think oh this is to help your clients to help your patients but in actual fact it's kind of an introspective thing where you start analyzing yourself and that helps therapists yeah sure I mean the the, the first part of the course is all about um what what is mental health um um understanding your own processes what it means to you um and self-care because um it's that old oxygen mask thing you know it's like you're in a plane the plane's going to crash you put your own oxygen mask on uh because if you don't look after yourself you can't look after others and i think what emerson was saying was really interesting it's very hard to to do that as a self-employed person and as a caring person and, and thinking back to the the red flags again uh, emma I'm talking about boundaries with time, you know, and I, that's one of the red flags, actually. I see that when I, when things are getting a bit much in clinic, I find that I'm, I want to give too much. I want to give more. And it's actually, no, that's enough. You know, that's enough for now. And that, that will do. That's my time. I'm looking after that boundary. And my note taking as well. I know when it's time to do less because, you know, my note taking after a session is like, you know, <laughs> and it's not as detailed and, 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 um, as good as it should be and it's you know it's hard for me to admit that but I think it's important to, to recognize that sometimes when you're uh, you know there's only a certain amount you give and you have to it has to be quality you know and once that quality kind of goes then it's like you're not looking after yourself you're not doing your clients a service either uh, really I mean they might walk away very happy and rebook for next week but you know there's still a level that I think you, you know you have to work at so uh, when it comes to the mental health first aid training a huge part of it is is, a, is about yourself, and and we talk about the stress container, and that's one thing again that a lot of people don't look at. Actually, the things that are stressing them out in their lives, the stress that they have to deal with, you know, social media, getting clients in, am I good enough? Um, doing further trainings, um, rent, 
um, stuff like I was doing a training today. I, I do stuff for Walton and Forest Schools, and there was a woman there who works in the hair and beauty department, and she's got a couple of clinics, and she's sold one, and she's desperately trying to sell another. And um, after lunch, she was still on the phone, um, and the uh, electricity company were trying to take sixteen hundred pounds out of her uh, account for uh, electricity because her bills on her salon have gone up so much. And there's all of these you know other things that are just coming and switching on the news and and seeing ukraine and seeing the stuff that's going on in the uk and america and you know abortion and it's just you know it can be overwhelming and actually to sit and think about actually what is stressing myself out right now what the stresses i've got in my life what do i have evidence for what can i uh do stuff about what I can't do stuff about, how can I increase my coping strategies to be able to deal with that? What negative coping strategies have I got? You know, what positive coping strategies have I got that can soon turn negative? I was speaking to Matt earlier saying that I've been doing Olympic lifting for the past few years. And one of the problems is, is that um, my positive coping strategy, going to the gym, throwing some iron about, I love it. Um, not looking after myself enough, maybe over-exercising a little bit more. And I always stretch before and do lots of mobilisation and stretching afterwards. Um, I knack it up my knees. <laughs> you know, so a positive coping strategy can soon turn into a negative strategy. Um, if you're not, um, you know, fully conscious on what's going on, and, and it's that whole thing of someone putting the, um, the, the, chat, the hamster wheel of stress of life you know it's so hard to get off of that when you have all of these um things that are happening in your life and you know i mean i do this for a living you know um talk about mental health and you know how you maintain good mental health both as a uh, a mental health trainer and also as a, a yoga therapist and i've been working in mental health for almost 20 years and as a massage therapist as well um and it's that hard thing is it's, it's always easier to care for someone else than to maybe look after yourself you know um and it's that thing of like um you know you might be able to know what to do but actually putting it in practice for yourself is hard and sometimes you've got to flip it and think to yourself right if i was saying this to a friend what would i say to them and actually apply it to you because in reality self-care is difficult you know it's difficult very interesting um it seems that a common theme Oh, you go. You can carry on, Matt. <laughs> no, no, no. I guarantee what you're going to say is more interesting. You go. Well, I was just going to say. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, James is saying. I think it's just it's really difficult to actually put things into practice. Sometimes, you know, no matter if you you think, you know, people always say to me, being a sports therapist, my clients, they'll go, "Oh, well, obviously you get no injuries, and you stretch every day, and you drink this much water," and I'm like. I'd love to say that <laughs> I, that's my life the whole time, but you know, realistically, it's it's not. Um, so I think it is again. You kind of just have to I think you have to, even if you know you struggle with those things, just really trying to set aside some time, you know, to, to put certain things in practice. I think for me, definitely over the last couple of years, has been really tough. I think that the COVID, you know, running my own business and not being able to work for about eight months. Um, I think the really struggled in 2020. And I think probably James's course came at a good time, kind of coming out um, March 21, really trying to kind of gain a bit more clarity because I struggled massively myself, actually, not being able to work. Um, I did lots of volunteer stuff um, and would help in the community and do things like that. But just not being able to run your business. I was lucky enough to get the um, the grants. But again, it's kind of not so much about the money. It's kind of, you know, I like working and I like being sociable. I like seeing my clients. So it was more the maybe the interaction side for me as well. Um, but yeah, I think COVID has been the, the biggest thing for me in sort of 10 years of practice with, you know, almost being too busy in the earlier stages of you know, my first five years and then going to almost being, you know, not busy enough. And I think that's, it's kind of a 360 with stress now because it's sort of like, I've noticed that probably from March kind of onwards, it's been getting busier in clinic. You know, people are, um, are kind of 
coming back a little bit more. I had a lot of people who either, you know, they'd moved or they just didn't have the money. And now I'm seeing kind of a bit of a, since all the price increases have happened, that's kind of uh, been a big thing as well. I've recently put my prices up in June. Um, I didn't do it in April because I thought everyone's jumping on the 1st of April bandwagon. Um, but those things I know you mentioned, Matt, and they're really key as well. And I've had several conversations with therapists about, you know, should should you put your prices up? And, you know, what we've said, most people, is if, you know, everything else has gone up, you know, if you're a small business and you don't put your prices up, then you're essentially taking a price cut. Um, so it is difficult. I think there's, you know, finding, again, the boundary with I want to have enough clients and I need to be busy enough. Uh, but I also need to, you know, afford my own cost of living increases. And I think that's a, a big battle. And even for me, someone who's been in the industry for 10 years, you know, I've seen over this time, and I've never had an issue with really having to advertise too much or, um, you know, doing lots of that. It's all been kind of word of mouth, website, Google. It's all been pretty free flow. And I've found that, you know, COVID's really put a spanner in the works for that. So, kind of even you know if you were you know used to being really really busy it's kind of been a really different time and I think that's added an extra level of probably mental health um for myself um and then trying to you know but I've stayed you know I have stayed open I do know a lot of therapists who've you know if they're renting you know they've had to actually stop they've just stopped practicing and they've gone into other jobs which is really sad and whether they actually come back and open their practice again is another um, another option for me I'm really lucky because I have a home clinic um, on the side of my house so that's kind of you know for me that's, that's the stress that's been taken away that I don't have cost but things like you know electricity gas you know I, I'm forever washing washing towels and <laughs> tumble drying them so you know it's um there's kind of a lot of things to think about um yeah I think it's I think it's been yeah really really tough and I think it's been it's been nice it's been a lot of conversations around it and you know sports therapy association have been there um a lot and that's kind of helped with you know kind of figuring things out and trying to keep going but I think it is hard hard you definitely hit kind of highs and lows with things so that's I think where James's course you know I think doing that then kind of coming out of COVID in 21 really made me think you know these are some things as well I need to try and use with myself a little bit more and be a little bit you know kind you know kinder to myself I think that's me I think probably me I give more more of my time and energy to other people as James does um and it's just trying to kind of have those boundaries for yourself it's um I've got a little bit of an echo I'm just gonna wait till it catches up I might try muting somebody and see if that helps. Any more echo? Any more echo? No, it's gone. I've muted both of you just for seconds. I'm getting echo at my end, but I will unmute you. Um, I just wanted to spend the the last kind of five minutes time, obviously, is beating us, which is really stressful, but we'll ride through it. That's okay. But um, I'm interested in the... Something we've mentioned quite a few times is communication is key. A lot of these stresses and you can avoid going down some pretty nasty, dark places if you talk about it with somebody, especially if you talk to a professional or something. I'm interested at what stage medication comes into play. So I'm going to direct a question to James about, I mean, I'm somebody for me having a, I can't remember if it was three and one or two and a half and a half. And that for me with the lack of sleep and everything was really stressful. And, and I got to a stage where I was found myself at the GPs totally drained. And, and after us answering various questions and things, I was put on a course of searching for quite a while. And it was probably about a year and a half or something. I was on it for a very low dose. And every time it's quite funny. Every time I thought I don't need this, I'm fine. I've just got to go to the gym. Again, my wife would tell me because and eventually I noticed I would stop taking it, which they told me never to do. But did I listen? Of course not. And then within a week of not taking it, I would suddenly get really manic and quite hyper and felt like the world was an amazing place to be. And then suddenly I'd have a slump on the other side. And it happened quite a few times where I'd start realizing I'd be going, I'd wake up going, 
life is great. I'm feeling absolutely brilliant and talking faster. And then the next day would be a real come down. But it did serve its purpose. And eventually as the kids grew up and I don't know what it was, I, I came off it. And But it helped me get through kind of a real kind of year when things were looking very dark and gray. But how do people know? Is it a case of just going to your GP and having that chat and then they'll be able to recommend it responsibly? So I'm just conscious, James, that sometimes people might go down the medication route before they need it, or they could end up holding their lice taking something. So I'm interested in what you have to say about that. Oh, no, I didn't mean to get rid of you. Sorry. I'm done there. <laughs> sorry, James, absolutely took you off. <laughs> that's okay. That. Uh, that's okay. That's fine. So, you know, ideally, um, you know, medication is important. Uh, it's important people get the right medication where necessary um, and that it works for them. Um, so obviously you need professional help. GPs are fantastic. They're trying to fix the world in 10 minutes. Um, you know, often, I mean, ideally you'd get prescribed talking therapy, um, and then medication if needed, you know, medication is often a quick fix. It can be really, really useful. Um, um, 25% of people who access, uh, services for anxiety disorders are actually, um, addicted to uh, the diazepine family, diazepam valium, uh, anti-anxiety pills, um, antidepressants work in about 65% of cases. And there's lots of different types of antidepressants, high risk of um, suicide while you're waiting for them to kick in and lots of other side effects as well. So, um, you know, medication is really important, but it's really important that actually people uh, get access to talking therapies and the government in 2008 actually at the time of the last financial crash um, um, came up with um, improving access IAPT improving access to psychological therapies so um, this is depending on on what what's going on but you'll get um, assessed very quickly and you might get face-to-face -face therapy you might get online you might get group it depends what it is um, and that was a really good thing now there's um six month wait for that one million people use the service last year they want to improve it so that 1.9 million people can use it by 2024 so there's a huge demand on it so um the amount of you know so go to the gp get professional help for sure if you're struggling 100 percent. but um there are other um things that you should also be looking at as well so communication is really important peer group support is really important um actually talking to people who might be going through similar things to you associations like the sta just being around other people i found it hugely uh, beneficial doing stuff like this um i do stuff for yoga associations that i'm a member of as well and just being around people that i can talk to that i can say look i'm having a hard time at the moment and they're not going to judge me and they're going to be you know it's 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 a, it's a valuable conversation um and there were lots and lots and lots of other things you know so um i would always uh, try and get some talking therapy because you know if something's going on uh, you want to kind of get to the root of it um, and if you can have medication yeah it can make you feel better and you can recover while that happens sometimes you can spontaneously recover a lot of mental health problems come from social problems as well so you know for example if you're really stressed because your business is is going under um, and you're feeling anxious and uh, maybe some symptoms of depression as well you might be having panic attacks and you're having a hard time uh, having some anti-depressants um, maybe some anti-anxiety medication might help having talking therapies might help as well what's really going to help is speaking to a financial charity who can help you um, set up a payment plan with your creditors or, or whatever it might be so there's a huge range of uh, of things that can be useful but I'd always say to people get professional help but you know um, there's a big strain on services so I work for a large national charity I do a lot of trainings for them as well and I train uh, CAMS teams as child and adolescent mental health services CAMS teams I train the police um, but CAMS uh, CMHT community mental health teams these are the people that your GP will refer you to so I do suicide trainings for them um, because they know that someone who's on their books might have uh, a year's wait for whatever psychological therapy it is, might be two years for trauma therapy, you know, because there's such a strain on services. Um, so um, get help 
you know, where you need it. And, and ideally, if you are prescribed medication, you've got to make sure it's the right medication. If it's not, you've got to um, um, make sure that that gets changed and not just trust on that process because it doesn't work for everyone. And in that time when you're on the medication uh, and you're feeling better, this is when you, you, you make those changes in your life. You build up these resilience uh, tools, these self-care strategies that we've talked about and reading, going for a walk, maybe joining a community group or playing a guitar or whatever it might be, you know, um, and, um, and and that's really important to do as well because you've got to manage it long term and, um, you know, that's that's the really, really important thing, I think, is to be able to know what's going on with you, to be able to recognise the warning signs when things aren't going so well and to take those steps, you know, because it's not... I mean, there are some mental health conditions where, you, you know, like schizophrenia or something, you might be on medication for the rest of your life. Um, that's that's fine. doesn't mean to say you can't have a, a good life, but you're still whatever it is. And I think mental health is on a continuum. Uh, and I think it's really important to, um, to, yeah, to be able to manage your well-being. You know, if you're um, doing OK, you know, it can soon turn into something that's not OK. And, you know, life changes uh, very quickly and at the moment it's it's hard times for everyone yeah, it's really hard times and very different I think from the the 2008 crash where as a therapist I was I'd never been busiest because I, I work in central London have a lot of wealthy clients and I had all these bankers who were like oh we don't know what's going on with the markets and everyone was worried because of the credit crunch and I was actually at my busiest now it's very different you know mm. and, and I'm not getting as many clients as I used to um, and my clients are still quite quite wealthy, so I think it's uh, yeah, different times. Okay, so a huge amount of information there. It's amazing. Thank you, James. Um, obviously, one thing that therapists, soft tissue therapists can do is go here. All about the mind. Move across a bit. There we are. Um, so I'm going to put this on full screen, but we can still hear you if anybody wants to talk. But um, this is the website, uh, James's website, jameschapmanallaboutthemind.com, as it sounds, allaboutthemind.com. And um, the course um, uh, that Emma did is still available. How does the course work, James? Is it something that is face-to-face or online or is it a mixture? Or what has uh, online training and we do um, two-and-a-half-hour sessions um, and that would be twice a week over two weeks. And online, we do, I do do some uh, in-person trainings, but I haven't got any scheduled um, at the moment. Uh, but I do generally put them on for as professional associations and, and, and things like that um, from time to time. So I'm doing, a, doing an in-person one at the moment. Actually, I just finished one today at uh, Walton Forest Town Hall. <laughs> but my online, my training's on the website. And do people work through it, therefore, at their own pace, or is it a set time? Yeah, it's set time. Uh, so we do live sessions and then there's individual learning in between, which people do. There's an online learning hub. So um, there's a, a big, thick manual as well. So um, people can read and, and, and do that. And I'll, I'll monitor their progress <laughs> and give some thought mm. where, um, where needed. There we go. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and the manual is a really good resource um, as well. So it's, uh, I, think, I think with this training, like with the in-person training, I'm doing one Don't freeze now. Just me or is James just frozen? <laughs> if it is the podcast, James is just frozen yeah. for a second. But Emma was holding up the manual for the mental health of first aid. Oh, and we can't eat it. Um, but yeah, we lost you for a second, James. Yes, yeah, yeah. so all the information is on the website. Yes, people can find about there there. And if people want to contact you, there's contact details on the website. I think it says contact James, isn't it? Yeah, yeah fantastic. And also, if you're a member of the STA, then there is a discount code. Thank you very much for that, James. And we won't say it out live because there's people listening to here who haven't quite realised that they should be members of the STA yet. Um, But it's not bribing you, but it's one of the benefits of actually being a member of the STA is you do have lovely people like James and other course providers giving discount codes. Um, So we have got that. If you're interested, then contact myself or Gary or Jake or any of the team or your regional reps. Contact Emma if you're in the – which which rep are you, Emma? You're southeast, aren't you, yeah, so I'm um, yeah Southeast England rep with I think there's with Joanna and there's a few more of us and I think now we've merged with uh, London I think a bit more so there's yeah a lot of us happy for you to reach out if anyone wants to um, chat. 
There you go. So how you can use your region reps. Right. So it's 9.06. We've gone slightly over time. As always, uh, thank you to everyone who did join us live. Um, if you're listening to the podcast and you want to continue the conversation, then just go along to YouTube. This is why I use YouTube now, because that's the live forever now. You can go in the comments, write a question. Other people will respond. Um, if you've got a question for James, then you can always use the website. Or if you put something in the YouTube um, comment section, which I think would be useful for James, and I'll let him know. Someone's put this question. Um, but yeah, let the conversation go and continue happening. Don't let it just stop now. Um, so I'm going to sign off the live lounge now. James, thank you so much for your time once again. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and Emma also. If you guys can stick around just for a couple of minutes when I shut the lounge down, then I'll say thank you to you personally. But um, for everyone who joined us live and everyone listening to the podcast, thank you very much as always for your support. And um, that was episode 106. And uh, we moved to July, in case you didn't realize, next month, which means a new focus. And we will move away from business, focus on business. And we're moving to, well, we're moving to, I'm going to go through the body now. Um, I'm going to work my way through the body. So we're going to start off with the foot and ankle for a month, which um, has been requested. As some people send me an email saying, when are we going to go back to the body? And I resisted from saying, oh, yeah, because the body and the mind are two separate entities. I forgot about that. Let's concentrate on the body now rather than the mind and stuff. Um, so that's something we'll be covering, I think, as well. But we're going to spend focusing on aspects of looking after foot and ankle and i've got four great speakers lined up for you the first i believe is going to be nick knight i believe who's a podiatrist sports podiatrist who's been on the show before uh is going to be talking about an aspect of the foot and ankle obviously it and then we'll work our way through and i think if it works well and feedback's good you know what then we'll go to the knee and then the hip and maybe the lower back and then the scapula and all this sort of stuff. So I think it will set us up for some quite um, nice progression through the body, looking at the anatomy, obviously not forgetting about the um, psychosocial as well. That would be a big prevalent thing. So that's all for July and onwards. Um, but for now, um, thank you very much for joining us. Once again, thank you to James Chapman of All About the Mind. And we will see you next Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Um, take care of yourselves and each other. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.